We're continuing our series on salt and light this morning. Uh, we're going to start at uh, Matthew 5, as we always do. Then we're going to jump into uh, Acts chapter 16, and you can follow along. But uh, each week, we've been looking at this verse in, in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus calls his, his followers around. He's on the sermon. This is a Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this is what he tells those who are following him. This is out of the message version. And Jesus says this to those who are his disciples, not just the 12, but to those who are following him. He says, you're here to be light. And this is what we've been talking about. This is Christ's message to you. If you're wondering, what, I'm, what am I here for? What's the purpose of my life? Go no further. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. I'm putting you on a light stand, and it's your role, your responsibility, your mandate, your mission to shine to have an impact in this world. We've been talking about the crises and the chaos, the, the collisions that take place, the storms of life. And so often we as Christ followers sit there and we don't know what to do. Instead, we are called to enter into those situations and add value. To bring the light of Christ into each and every one of those settings and each one of those situations. Now, it's... I guess easy to think about those crisis situations, those conflicts, those places of chaos. But what about the, the average, routine, run-of-the-mill, mundane parts of life? Um, when I do a, a marriage ceremony, I'll talk about the magnificent things that go on, but I'll also talk about the mundane. You know, washing the car, washing the clothes, washing the dog, those things. Just the stuff of life. It was funny, I had a friend in high school, his name was Mike, and we would laugh because he called himself average. He says, you know, we sat, I remember one time we sat at lunch, and he'd figured this out. He'd spent some time analyzing this. He's an accountant today, so this might uh, let you know how his mind works. But he comes up and he, he, he tells, announces to the lunchroom table, all of us buddies sitting at the same table, he says, I've come to a conclusion. We're like, what? He goes, I'm average. And we're like, you will... And it took you this long to figure that out? No. <laughs> but he'd figured it out. He says, I live in an average house. I have average parents. I have an average dog. I have an average, you know, and he went down the list of all these things that were just average in his life. And I'm like, well, I guess that's good. <laughs> but what about the average? What about the Monday? What about just the stuff of life? Well, I'm here to tell you that, that even in the Monday and even in the routine, even in just the stuff of the schedule of your life, that you are, you are uh, mandated by God to bring His light, to add value. We believe that God changes lives. He's called us to bring His peace, His joy, and His salvation to those around us. This was an ongoing emphasis in Christ's ministry. Right from the very beginning, Sermon on the Mount, you're called. This is your mandate. This is your mission. You jump to the end of his ministry, and he's still talking about it. What does he say in Matthew 28? He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Over in John 20, he says this. He says, as the Father has sent me, listen up. I am sending you. 
This is now your responsibility. Now, what we've also talked about these last few weeks is the fact that, that God can do this all by himself if he wants to. God does not need me. God does not need you. And yet, in his sovereignty, in his choice, in his discretion, he is sought to use you and me in his plan of redemption and reconciliation and ministry in this world. God has ordained you. God has chosen you. God has purposed to put his spirit in you and to work through you. Those aren't just throwaway words. He is working in you and through you to impact those around you. And not just in the catastrophic or the, the spectacular or the, the, the chaos or confusion of this world, but also in the average run-of-the-mill routines of life. Paul, in the, to the Ephesians church, he said, it is his power, Christ's power at work within us. You back up in that scripture, it says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us. So when we start talking about the, the things that we can't even imagine, those spectacular things beyond our comprehension, how is God going to do that? How, what is God's plan for making that happen on planet earth? Paul says it's through you. There, there's no plan B, there's no plan C, there's no, he is going to use you and he is going to use me. Crossroads, you need to know. Here in Decatur, right in your neighborhood, at the ranch, at the kids' ball games, on Friday night ball game, at homecoming, at, up at the, the supermarket, wherever it might be, God is purposing to use you and to work in you and through you. That's his plan. And it's not as hard as it sounds. You're probably sitting there, eyes wide open, going, huh? Me? Who, me? Yes, you. Turn over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And here in the book of Acts, there's two uh, uh, people you've probably heard of before, Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas were... Uh, on mission, they were called by God to go and tell people about Christ. And Paul had a vision to come over to Macedonia. And uh, in Macedonia, he ends up in a city called Philippi. And there in Philippi, they were going about their business, the Lord's work, and they came across a girl who was demon-possessed and who was manifesting the evil spirits in ways of, of uh, fortune-telling. And she was a slave girl. She was owned by some, uh, some slave owners, and she was profiting her owners by this manifestation of the evil spirit that was within her. She would go around, tell people their fortune and that. They would pay her, and she would give the money to her owners. Well, she was going around. There was a spiritual battle going on, and, and she was going around pestering Paul and Silas, calling them out, and to the point where Paul just had had enough, turns around, casts the spirit out of her, and she's out of work. She no longer is able to pull in uh, financial gain for her uh, owners, and the owners are ticked off. All of their livelihood, all of their income is now gone, and so they're mad at Paul and Silas. Uh, they file charges of civil disobedience. Paul and Silas end up in jail. 
Long story short, I know I've abbreviated it and skipped a few verses here and there, but that's the essence of what took place. So here you have God's ordained mouthpieces, his missionaries, those who are, are doing what he's called them to do, in prison, beaten, flogged, being mistreated. And we're not talking about Wise County Jail with three squares and a roof over your head. We are talking ancient civilization, um, bad part of town, um, rat and mouse infested place, and unless you have someone on the outside feeding you, you're not getting a whole lot. This is not the Hilton. This is not even the Best Western. This isn't even Motel 6. This is bad. And on top of that, they've been beaten, flogged, mistreated. So this is the setting that they are in. You know, it would be real easy. You put yourself in those, in those shoes. You put yourself in that setting. It would be real easy to get the poor me complex, right? What is going on? I am. Lord, do you know who I am? Lord, do you know how often I pray? Do you know how, you know, how many women's Bible studies I've been to in the last year? Do you know that I'm a life group leader? Do you know that I, I help with breakfast or I serve? Or, do you know I'm in the nursery at Crossroads Church? And yet, look at me. Look at where I'm at now. Come on, God. Like, really? It'd be real easy to get into this poor me, woe is me, what's going on, God, type of response. And yet, look at where Paul and Silas go. Look at verse 25 of chapter 16. Instead of panic, being persecuted, having doubt and self-concern, it's this prayer of, Lord, use us. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Just stop there. Guys, they're in jail. They're in jail, and they're singing and praising God. They're singing hymns to God. They're, they're praising Him. How many of us need to change our point of view and change our mindset from pouting to praising? Let me say that again. Maybe that's just the Holy Spirit speaking right now, and I believe He is. How many of us, even right now, you're in this place of, of pouting, and it's time to get into praising? Okay? These guys were in jail. These guys were doing the Lord's work. They'd done nothing wrong, and yet look at their situation. Look at their setting. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here. Now, I want to stop for a second there and just say this. Like, We've talked about this before. When the Lord chooses to use you and you say yes and you act on that, supernatural things take place. All through Scripture we see this. God calling human beings, men and women, to be used by Him. And when they say yes and when they act on that, supernatural things take place. Here's another case where that has happened. Something supernatural takes place. Once again, how many of us, when we get into those, we assume it's going to be this place, it's Shangri-La, that's a beach on, on, on some nice deserted island or, or some you know, nice resort with a golf course. And we think that that is how God wants to use us. 
And so often we get into this swirling vortex of despair when, when we're put into these places and these settings that we can't really figure out. It would have been really easy for Paul and Silas to go to that dark place here. Poor is me, woe is me. I think even in our lives, it, we get thinking, oh, it, you know, it's, it's this prison. But you know what? Real life happens. And real life adversity happens. For some of us, you're, you're feeling sorry for yourself because you weren't asked to bring brownies to the baseball game this Friday. You know? They didn't pick me. What? They didn't like my brownies? They didn't? You know? Or your kid wasn't, wasn't picked to, to play shortstop or... Or they, they, they weren't picked to play goalie in the soccer game on Saturday. My neighbor, my neighbor keeps parking in front of my house. Why is my neighbor parking in front of my house? City just raised my taxes. Some of you, you know, some of you are upset and you're pouting because Walmart doesn't carry your brand of lunch meat anymore. Like, it sounds ridiculous, but get with it. Like, if you really analyze the stuff that you get upset about, it's insignificant in light of eternity. Now, does that mean you can't get upset because Walmart is not choosing to supply your lunch meat anymore? No, you can get upset, but just, this is not a, you know, top-level spiritual attack on you. I didn't get a promotion. My kid's not the popular kid. You know, put on your big boy pants. Put on your big girl pants. God wants to use you. God has chosen to use you, and I believe that these little things are things that are distracting you. The enemy is coming in, and the enemy is throwing you these curveballs, and you're biting on it. Oh, poor me this, poor me that. I got a flat tire on the way to church. Or what? Who really cares? God's got greater fish for you to fry. What is God doing in you and through you? And what does he want to do in you and through you? Church, we need to be more like Paul and Silas. Discerning, tuned in in the spiritual realm, and ready. So here in jail, Paul and Silas are praying, they're worshiping, and look at what happens. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him. And with all who lived in his household, even at that, hour of, that late hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Remember, they'd been flogged and beaten and mistreated. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized he brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he, was, he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. There's a supernatural manifestation that takes place when we say yes to what God wants to do in our lives and how he wants to use us, and we act on it. There's a supernatural manifestation the results of this movement, the results of Christ followers being Christ followers. It's a novel thing, isn't it? That Christ followers would actually follow Christ? That Christ followers would actually do and say what they've been called to do and say. Salvation came to the jailer, to his house, to his family, to a community that night. That very night. Eternal destinies were changed. You see, you are the conduit. 
You are the one through whom God wants to work. You are the bringer. You are the bringer. Like Paul says in Romans 10. He says, how then can they call on the one they have, have, the, they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How are the people of Wise County, how are the people of Decatur, how are the people of, of this area, of this city, of your community, of your neighborhood, going to be able to respond to God's call in their life if nobody tells them? Well, I guess by osmosis, I guess they'll just see a nice tree and realize that God created it. Or like uh, Darren and Dana yesterday saw this really super cool spider web and they just looked at it and they said, you know what? God is an amazingly creative God, right? Yeah, God reveals himself. God shows himself in creation. But you know what? God has also given you the mode and the mandate and the mission to speak it. And to bring the light and life of Christ into everyday life. How can people turn to the Lord unless you bring the good news? Hear me, the bringer has got to bring. Thursday morning, we, got, we, we, we have donuts. Us men, we have to have donuts and coffee. And I tell you, there's a very important job every Thursday morning, and that's the bringer of the donuts. And hear me, the bringer has got to bring. Like, and if the bringer doesn't bring, we got like serious problems. <laughs> Same way, that's donuts, come on. We're talking light and life of Christ. The bringer has got to bring. That's your job. You have been sent to deliver. Turn over to Luke chapter 10. And here in Luke chapter 10, there's a story of Jesus where he is sending or commissioning 72 of his followers. 72 of his disciples he is sending out. He says, and when you go and you come upon a house, he says, let your peace rest there. You know, how often do we do this? How often are we cognizant? How often do we understand not just the physical realm, but the spiritual realm? Where you walk, where you go, and who lives within you? That you have the Holy Spirit has taken up residence and where you go, you bring with you the presence of the Lord. You ever thought about that? Everywhere you go, everywhere you step, you bring the presence of the Lord with you. And Jesus is saying here to those 72, he's saying, as you go, you're bringing the, the presence with you. And when you step into a house, I want you to deliver a blessing. I want you to deliver peace. Pronounce peace on that place. Take a look at verse 5. He says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, and really what he's saying is, if someone receives that... Your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. And later on in the section of Scripture, he talks about, and you might be familiar with this, of if it's resisted, if it's pushed away, if it's not received, then, then there will be a curse that comes on them and you're supposed to knock the dust off your feet and, and move on. You've heard that expression before. That's, that comes from Jesus talking and sending his 72. 
says so you're supposed to present this peace and give this peace, and, and if it's not received, you're supposed to. You know, oftentimes, like I'm thinking about this week, that, that oftentimes we presume the pushback and we presume the resistance, and so we decide not to deliver based on the fact that somebody is probably going to push back and not receive. Did you, did you follow that? And yet, isn't that what we do? We presume and we uh, uh, assume that that there's going to be resistance and there's going to be this push away and so we fail to deliver. It's kind of like the logic would be, I'm not going to drive my car today because I might get a flat tire. Um, You just kind of go, that's kind of crazy. Well, we do the same with blessing and bringing a blessing with us, don't we? We assume there's going to be resistance. We assume that the answer is going to be no. We assume there's going to be this roadblock, so we back off. In the same way, uh, you know, I'm not going to do grocery shopping because I might get that stupid cart with the squeaky wheel. You've been there, right? How irritating is that, right? Well, it's idiotic. We, we presume that there's going to be resistance, so we don't deliver. Look at verse 8. Jesus says, when you enter a town, he's still talking to the 72 as he's, as he's uh, commissioning them. He says, when you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. You're to put a blessing. You're to bring a blessing. You're to bring the light and the life and the, the, the God colors with you. That's your responsibility. You're, you're to leave that aroma. Now, I, when I was a kid, um, I had this aunt, and she wore way too much of a very, very, very cheap perfume. And it, it was awful. And you'd, you'd step into her house, and she'd go, Darren, come give your aunt, your favorite aunt, a hug. And I'm like, I'd rather not, thank you. Because <laughs> you knew you were going to get cheap perfume all over you. You know, and you'd come, and she would insist, she'd come, and she'd smother you, and just hug, 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 hug me, and I, I, I tell you, I'd, I'd stink for a week. It was just, it was all over me. Now, that's a bad smell that you don't want, but when we are bringers of the light and life of Christ, when we are bringing that God aroma with us, it is a sweetness. It truly is a sweetness, and it's something, something that has a lingering effect. My prayer, my hope, and it really is a promise of the Lord that it remains. It's just like he was telling the 72, when you walk into a place and when you walk into a home, bring your peace and let your peace fall on that place. Would you think of the places that you're going to go this week? The people who you're going to come in contact with. Well, Pastor, you don't know this one person. They're just, whew, they're a piece of, they're, they're a work. You know what? Bring your peace. Bring your peace. Bring your blessing. You are the bringer. Hear me, some are gonna be some are gonna receive. Some won't. Jesus Jesus talks about the fact that there will be some who won't. There will be some some who push back. There will be some who resist, some who and and, and that is reality of it. But to those who do receive, there's change and there's transformation. There's change and transformation. Hear me. 
hear me, you are responsible to, for the delivery. Your responsibility is the delivery. You need to bring it. You are commissioned to bring it with you. And it's not this, hey, uh, you know, let me, let me preach a sermon to you. Let me do it. No, you bring the light and life of Christ in you and through you. Yeah, do you, do you speak the word of God? Do you speak truth? Do you, do you bring about a, a recognition and, a, and, a, and a, an exposure of who Christ is into that situation? Yes. But it's not a polished, prepared sermon that has three points and an ending and an altar call. You are responsible for the delivery and it's praying and seeking the Lord. What is it that, that I'm to do in this situation? Look at Paul and Silas. Worshiping and praising, that was the mode and the mechanism that God had for them to use. They were simply being obedient. So you're responsible for the delivery. You're not responsible for the reception. You are not responsible for the reception. I think at times we get, as I said, we get presuming what people will do and what people would say and we hold back. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to deliver it and to leave it. Back when I was 13, I got my very first job as a, uh, a paper delivery boy, a newspaper delivery boy. And that was back then before the internet and before you could get news at your fingertips. And um, uh, Mondays were a great day for a paper boy because it was a light news day and the newspapers, at least in Vancouver where I grew up, they were about that thick. They were probably about the size of Decatur's paper. Um, on Fridays and Saturdays, ooh, I had 80 homes to deliver to, and the Saturday newspaper was like an encyclopedia. It was like massive, and I would be weighed down in that. Well, my job, my task was to do what? To deliver the news to the doorsteps of the houses that, that were on my list. I, that was my task, my job. But you know what? I remember to this day, I would go to a number of houses, believe it or not, a number of houses, and I would go to deliver a paper, and there'd be six days of newspapers, all browned and, and you know, um, and they were sitting on the doorstep still. Initial thought went through my mind, should I deliver it? Should I? And yet, what was my responsibility? My responsibility was to deliver the news. My responsibility wasn't to determine whether they would bring the news into their house or not. It was simply to deliver it. I think that's a good example of what we're called to do. You are called to deliver the God aromas to Wise County. You're called to deliver the, the God flavors, the God colors, the, the peace and the goodness, the joy. Earlier before first service, we were hanging out with the worship team and that in the, in the back room. And before we prayed, we just got joking and laughing and, and just enjoying each other's company and truly enjoying the presence of the Lord. That's what you're called to bring. The light and life of Christ here in this world, you're going to have opportunity in a few weeks to be the light and life of Christ. But as I've said uh, last year, and I continue to say, a one-week deal is not what this is all about. This is about practicing what we're to be doing each and every day of our lives, bringing the hope, life, joy of Christ in you and through you to those around you. Let's bow in prayer, all right? And I invite the worship team to come join me up here. Before I pray, I just want to share.
and remind us what happened when Paul and Silas allowed themselves to be used by God. It says, and the jailer and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. And Lord, that's our prayer, is that in us and through us, light would come and salvation would come to our neighbors, to our friends, to our relatives, to our co-workers, to a kid and his parents on our kids' sports team. There will be adversity, Lord. There will be those times where we end up in our version of that Philippian jail. And we'll want to make it all about us. We'll want to live in that sorrow and that despair and that, that pity party. But Lord, you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. Your word says you won't ever leave us. You won't ever forsake us. You will uphold us. And we can count on that. We can rely on that, Lord. So we walk in faith. We walk in freedom. We walk in confidence and courage. We don't shy away from adversity. But we add value because we carry with us the light of Christ. So Lord, speak to us. Empower us. Move us to that place of hearing from you more and more. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for revealing your plan and reminding us that we're not alone and we don't do this in and of our own strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.